Hey, it's Bob Stoffer. I just wanted to let you know that you can listen to Oilers Now ad-free on Amazon Music, included with Prime. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. We return to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer. Brought to you by World of Spas, Edmonton's number one hot tub and swim spa dealer. The ideal place to start your daily vacation on Oilers Radio, 630 Chan. You know, I've got to be honest, Derek. I thought that that was you bringing us back with some music I'd never heard. Instead, <laughs> it's just another great commercial from our friends at Legacy Heating and Cooling. I tricked you. <laughs> that was spectacular. And what a segue into our next guest here, who I believe is still joining us from Parts Unknown, NHL insider john shannon joins us twice a week for legacy heating and cooling whether it's heating or cooling you need get it with no interest and uh, no payments for a year that's how you build a legacy legacy heating and cooling john you've got brendan today how's it going i'm great brendan how are you excellent thank you so uh, did you get to take in any of the spectacle over the weekend or were you as checked out of hockey as possible no, I, uh, I I watched the skills competition. I didn't watch the All-Star game on Saturday, but uh, I watched most of the skills on uh, on Friday night. Perfect. I did the opposite. I was tied up Friday night, and I ended up watching the, the three-on-three games. So what did you think? There seems to be a lot of mixed reaction. The, the league, you can tell, is, is aiming for creativity, keeping things fresh, and certainly engaging that younger audience. And, and um, then we saw the events play out, and I guess you'll just take it from there. What did you think? I thought it was okay. Uh, you're right about the league investing a lot of time and money to make it uh, uh, different for uh, hopefully a, a younger fan base. I, I think a couple of times through the night I had to remind myself that I'm not the target audience, that uh, they're trying to skew younger. They're trying to make it a family event where where mom and dad and, and uh, can watch with their kids and enjoy it. And uh, the inclusion of, of veterans, the inclusion of, of women, uh, you know, is, is a good thing. So, and, and I, I can tell you right now, uh, as a guy who has been involved in a ton of skills competitions over the years, it is a tremendously difficult event to cover. And, you know, from, from that perspective, it's, uh, it, it, was, it was there to be enjoyed, or if you wanted to criticize it, you had every right to do that too. The fascination is that something like this that is so non-traditional hockey it's like comedy, uh, Brendan. Good comedy is really hard to do. It is very hard to do, and that's the issue I think that um, that I think jumps out and and and, and gets me. Because if you're that a good uh, a comedian or have comedic talents, you wouldn't be in the hockey world. You'd be in Las Vegas or Los Angeles writing movies. And that's that's how tough tough it is to create an event like this. Yeah, understood on that front for sure. Now, when I look at the American Hockey League skills competition, it seems like they're a lot more rooted in those traditional events. And then you think of the actual term skills competition and you watch what they're doing. I see a lot more hockey-related skills unfolding even in the minor league competition 
competition than you do where it's sort of a little bit more for the spectators, I would suggest, at the NHL mm -hmm. level. Um, any thoughts on the difference between those two things? Less marketing appeal at the well, lower the, level? The, 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 yeah, the American League one is still run by the original group that brought the skills competition to the NHL, hmm. uh, uh, you know, Palmer Productions. Uh, and they're, they, you're right, they're straight-laced. They are the basics that we all remember the, the skills competitions were when they began in 1990. Uh, and there's something to be said for that. Uh, you know, the American League is, is not challenged to grow the game. The NHL is challenged to grow the game, and that is where outside voices uh, and new voices at the NHL have tried to, you know, push push the envelope. And whether it succeeded or not will be measured in the next few years. I mean, we're the people that are criticizing what the NHL does either Friday or Saturday has to remember the three-on-three -three contest is relatively new as well. It's not more than three or four years old itself. So just trying to find something that clicks for everybody in this type of thing is very, very difficult. So let me ask you this, John. We're chatting with our NHL insider, John Shannon, right now. There's some scuttlebutt that perhaps these warmer destinations on somewhat of a rotation might be the best way to keep the players themselves engaged. And I thought that... You know, for what it was worth, Alex Ovechkin playing that All-Star game with Sidney Crosby right there is something that we haven't had the opportunity to see yet. And when those two were out there together, it was awfully special, even for those couple of moments. And I know that it's not necessarily a big appeal for the players to go, but do you think that that might help incentivize some of them if they did sort of a Tampa, Florida, um, you know, Dallas, Arizona type thing where they're keeping it in a, a warmer destination, as it were? Um, that's interesting, um, but you're not going to generate the revenue that you would, say, next year in Toronto, mm -hmm. where they're going, uh, and the players get 50% of that revenue. So, you know, this is, this is one where the players have a voice. Uh, you know, everything is, is negotiated and talked about with the league and with the Players Association. So it, it becomes a real challenge. You know, I, let me, would, you know, would Connor and Leon and, and Stu rather be in Florida doing this event for four days or in Hawaii for four days? I don't know. That's a personal question. That's a question that every player wants to answer. But when they, uh, you know, after they played that last game last week and uh, half the guys were saying, oh, I'm going here and I'm going there and Connor and Leon and Stu were going to F Fort Lauderdale, you, you have to wonder what was on their mind and, and how important it was. It was really important for the league to have McDavid and Dreisaitl there for sure because they're elite players. But you have to wonder how much pressure it puts on them when they should be relaxing like the rest of their teammates are. Right. So February 2nd and 3rd of next year, that's the uh, skills competition in the All-Star game. You mentioned Toronto is is the host site. Uh, can you recall? Has, I'm sure it's been hosted in Toronto before. I didn't look up when the last time was. Yeah. But do you have 2000. some preliminary 2000. expectations for how this might look uh, coming into next year? I guess you have the benefit of the Hall of Fame there. And really, it is the center of the hockey world in so many ways. Uh, yeah, the last time it was in uh, in Toronto was 2000, um, at at a at a brand new Air Canada Centre, uh, which was the reason why it was in Toronto was mm -hmm. to to christen 
the new arena. Um, and I, I suspect that, uh, you know, the, the people in the league office, Bill and Gary and uh, Steve Mayer, who is in charge of these types of things, are probably uh, taking a couple of days off and then going to do a debrief next week on what worked, what didn't, and what do you do in a cold weather environment um, that you can't that you can't do in or that you you could do in uh, in, in a warm weather environment. There's plenty of uh, plenty of uh, convention space in Toronto that won't be a problem, uh, and it'll just have to be a, a different approach. Uh, but you're right in a hockey crazed market where uh, revenues I would expect would probably triple what they made in Florida. Chatting with John Shannon for Legacy Heating and Cooling. Let's shift gears to Bo Horvat and that contract extension that I think most of us expected was sort of pre-written, you know, but maybe they were waiting on unleashing the news. John, before I get your comment, I'm just going to play this little bit of Lou Lamorello's uh, audio. Eight years, eight and a half million dollars. This is the man that signed the deal. Well, all I can tell you is it's too long and it's too much money. It's <laughs> 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 that. That's, I mean, you want the truth? No, no, no. Well, well that, that was going to lead into my next point. Is... Next question. I bet you he would have said that about anybody making that kind of money these days. But uh, what do you think about the deal that Bo Horvat got there on Long Island? Well, if you're Bo Horvat, it's great. Mm -hmm. And if you're Bo Horvat, it proved uh, what uh, you wanted out of the Vancouver Canucks. Uh, and there was no way the Vancouver Canucks were going to pay that type of, uh, of, of stipend to somebody they didn't view as a number one center. Uh, what's interesting for me, Brendan, is that uh, uh, Bo is represented by Pat Morris at Newport Sports. Uh, there are seven players from Newport Sports on the Islanders. So you can rest assured that once the trade was made, uh, players like Matt Martin, Josh Bailey, Casey Sezikis were on the phone to Bo saying, this is a great place to play, come and be with us, enjoy your time, try to get a good deal. But there's, you know, that, and, and you know, Bo, Bo has been to Long Island, um, but his family hasn't. They haven't seen anything there, and to commit to long term without seeing the place to me was, was rather interesting to say the least. Bo Horvat will be a good player for them, and the Islanders needed somebody of Horvat's ilk to improve their goal scoring if they plan to make the playoffs this year. I heard this morning on the satellite radio, it sounds like he's going to be centering Matt Barzell and Josh Bailey. So you get him and Barzell working together out of the gate and see if they can't make something work there. Barzell's a setup guy, and Horvat's got 31 goals already this year, so I don't know if that'll be his calling card moving forward per se, but out of the gate, I think that you've got to be a little bit excited excited about the uh, the opportunity there for more offense from an Islanders perspective well the one thing you know with Bo at center is you're gonna start with the puck more often than not right uh, because he's such a good face-off guy and if you can get Matt Barzell the puck then you're in much better shape because he's one of the most creative guys in the National Hockey League uh, so from from that perspective they have listen they they have two great defensemen in Pelic and Pollock they have two great goaltenders in Varlamov and 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 uh, uh, Samsonov, uh, no, Samsonov's in Toronto. Sorokin, Ilya Sorokin. Sorry, I got all my Russian bullies mixed <laughs> up. Um, but they have not been able to put the puck in the net. They have needed a pure goal scorer, and so to to try to to get Bo and and hopefully continue with his 31 goals, I think is an important part of this Islander equation. 
And as far as the Canucks equation goes, I'm sure they're hoping at this point that is addition by subtraction in terms of the distraction that that has been since even really before this season got going. Now I look at who might be next in line as far as the leadership roles in Vancouver, and it seems like Elias Pettersson is that guy, at least in the, the early stages, shall we say, of the, the leadership hunt. It seems like he's really wanted this and, and, uh, and started to take control over the last couple of days of the narrative. What do you see there in Vancouver in the absence of Bo Horvat in terms of how things are going to sort of mesh together here moving forward? Well, I think Vancouver is still such a work in progress, Brendan. It's too early to, to see it. Uh, what, mm -hmm. I can, what, what you know and what I know is that Pedersen is an unbelievable talent. Um, and uh, his, he, he's, he's got such great skills. Whether this gives him more of an opportunity to show that skill off and, and create some leadership opportunities for him, that's, that would be optimal for, for the Canucks and for Rick Tockett. You know, they, they still have questions of, you know, how do you incentivize, you know, JT Miller enough to, to bring it every time. Um, and, and quite frankly, the issues that the Canucks had, even before the trade and now after the trade, weren't with the forwards. You know, they, they just couldn't stop the puck. You know, they, they had two goaltenders that really should be working in the American Hockey League for all, for all intents and purposes. They had a defense that's highly paid but very ineffective. Those were the issues for the Canucks, and, and, and it'll, it'll be interesting to see what, what role Quinn Hughes plays in all of this. Will he be able to create some leadership opportunities in this as well? And now whether Patrick Alvina, Jim Rutherford will be able to move some of those very unwieldy defenseman contracts like Oliver ekman Larson and uh, Tyler Myers, because between the two of them, that's $15 million, and they're both highly good minus players. That is a lot of money for guys that were a lot more productive about five years ago. Chatting with our NHL insider, John Shannon, right now. So if we look at Edmonton, John, uh, they're going to have to get cap compliant, assuming Yamamoto is ready to rock on the 12th. So we're less than a week away now from decision time on a player or two, but around $3 million. So everyone right now is looking at Paul Yarvey. Is that to you the most logical method for the Oilers to get cap compliant by the time that Yamamoto is healthy? How, how do you see that scenario playing out, whether it's Paul Yarvey or Fogel or how they make the money work? Well, I mean, that, 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 is, the, that is Kenny's biggest challenge right now, let's face it. Um, and I think he's been dreading the calendar <laughs> turning pages of the last week or so trying to figure out what to do um, you know the the reprieve of the uh, of the all-star game was probably not a reprieve for him in trying to make phone calls and talking about scenarios and situations with teams um, I, 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 th I think the obvious choice and the and the accurate choice is pull Yarvey um, you know and, and Brendan you've been to more games live than I have recently but I've watched them all, and I would say that uh, Warren Fogel has shown me a spark of, of some of that talent he has uh, since he's come back from his injury. Um, and yes, it is yes, sir. You know, it, 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 there are days that it, it, he looks like something, and there are other days he looks like uh, just, a, just a big kid out there. And I, that's, that's the frustration. I know that's a frustration for him, and I know that's a frustration for the hockey club. Uh, but if you're going to do simple, easy math, the simple, easy math is he's got to go. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, understood. Tonight, my understanding is there are suitors out there, but again, if it was the type of deal that really had Holland salivating, it would have been done months and months ago. But that said, there's a lot of people, it seems, very bullish on the Edmonton Oilers here in this second half of the season. In this market and outside of this market, largely in part because the goaltending is really rounded into form now that Jack Campbell seems to have settled in. They lead the league in goals scored per game, so really you figure a minor addition to the defense, and this team might be set for another similar run to what they had last year. It's always a war of attrition, John, of course, but you know it looks to me like Edmonton is, is now, and, and you'll see what's happening in Vegas with injuries. Edmonton could be poised to make a real push to, to finish you know toward the top of the Pacific Division. Do you agree with that? Well, listen, there are five teams that could win the Pacific Division. For sure. I mean, but you tell me the three that are guaranteed playoff spots at the end. That's going to be the real challenge. I mean, as of today, I think it's five points for five different teams, differing the five different teams. Nobody would have told you at the All-Star break that Seattle was supposed to lead the division. Um, and... And I, I, th I think that everybody expected the two Alberta teams to be at the top. So it's a little bit of a topsy-turvy situation in the Pacific. And you're right. I, th I, I mean, I'm one of those guys that truly believes by the time the end of the regular season is, is, is done, the Edmonton Oilers will be the number one team in the division. Um, and will get home ice in the first round, which is so vitally important. Uh, but uh, depth, you're right. They need it. I think they still need a stay-at-home defenseman. Uh, and I think you have to figure out by the time the deadline comes, is there any way to improve their depth in their bottom six? Now everybody's going to yell and say that's yesa, but you, you, you know the the thing is that that you're you're going to try to find a way to get a depth player on a better contract. You know, something that's paying a million, a million one versus three million that yes is getting paid. So that becomes that becomes the real challenge for for Kenny right now. But I think they're in pretty a pretty good spot. I, I do think you have to watch Vegas. You know, Mark Stone's, I would say, season-ending injury, but regular season-ending injury, because uh, he's you know is operated on by the same guy that operated on Jack Eichel, so he could be back sooner than later. Um, you know, do they go out and make a splash? Kelly McCrimmon has always made a splash, so what's to stop them this time from making the one? And Ron Francis has a ton of cap space and a ton of money. So I would not be surprised to see Seattle, who, in talking to some people inside the organization there, saying the one thing we are missing right now is a superstar. We've got lots of good players, but we don't have a superstar. So do they kick the tires on some of these big names uh, that can make a difference? Ryan O'Reilly. Patrick Kane, if Kane wants to move, um, you know, and I, I would put Pat Kane in the in the Vegas conversation as well. Good stuff, John. Appreciate that very much. We'll chat again on Thursday, okay? Right on, Brendan. All right, John Shannon, our NHL insider uh, for legacy heating and cooling. Whether it's heating or cooling, you need you can get it with no payments, no interest for a year. That's how you build a legacy. Legacy heating and cooling. Remind you as well, some guests of Oilers now receive gift certificates to Ruth's Chris Steakhouse next week, February 11th to 15th is Valentine's Week at Ruth's Chris, and it is the greatest steak you've ever had. By the way, I was there Friday night. I'll attest to that. It's unbelievable food. Make it there if you can. Follow the sizzle to 99.90 Jasper Avenue. Tell Chris and Chef Altoff that Oilers Now sent you.
Back in a moment here, we'll get some of your text messages in. How are you feeling about the state of the NHL All-Star game? How is it comparing to the NFL's Pro Bowl games? If you watched both, for example, 780-496-0063. We're going with you for the next 40 minutes or so when we come back. Hi, this is Connor McDavid from your Edmonton Oilers, and you're listening to Oilers Now with Bob Stoffer on 630 Chet. Well, listen, if you missed your cup of coffee this morning, we're keeping you awake with all this pounding industrial rock from Disturbed taking the stage at Rogers Place on May 10th. Somebody texted me a sassy comment about how nobody in my generation is a metalhead. What do you know, man? What do you know? Maybe I'm just old school. Ah, man, we're heading back to sunny California this April with New West Travel. Fly to L.A. and Anaheim. You can watch the Oilers play the Kings and the Ducks. This New West Travel hockey package includes airfare, four nights at the Marriott L.A., lower bowl tickets for both games, and a welcome reception with Bob and special guests for the California hockey package. Call New West Travel or visit New West Travel. Dot com. We're talking about how you would go about improving the NHL All-Star game. And then I thought about this as well. You know how they had sort of Florida-themed events for the skills competition, in particular the golfing and the dunk tank with the surfboards and what have you? What would Edmonton's signature event be? If you could pick one or cater sort of a skills competition type of event... What would it be to represent, I guess, you know, some pieces of the city, but also they've done the, the Bellagio thing in Vegas where they they were shooting, you know, off the top. I don't even know what that was. They've tried very hard, basically, to implement pieces of the host city. I'm wondering what you think they could do for the Edmonton Oilers hosting an all-star game, which, by the way, a texture has pointed out has not happened in Alberta for like 34 years. So if it comes around, when it comes around, what would that look like? 780-496-0063. Give me a call. You can call during the newscast. We'll get to you when we open up the River Cree Resort Casino Hotline. Again, 780-496-0063. We're back after James Dunn has the headlines.